KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. In Pennsylvania, we've all gotten used to that sound whenever we saw the dotted demon that is the spotted lanternfly. Everywhere we turned, whether it was on social media, newspapers, or even the radio, everyone told us to kill the invasive species without hesitation. But according to some very interesting recent Penn State University research, well, these lanternflies might not be as bad as we thought, specifically when it comes to their impact on trees. Was it a good idea to, to maybe sensationalize it? I think probably yes, because the idea that we did know about it, we could prepare for it, it got people interested in it, and it it helped us manage them. What changed? Are we in the clear? And is this the first of many invasive species we're going to have to deal with? I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, we talk to Dr. Christopher Tipping. He is chair and professor in the Department of Biology at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. We dissect the study, talk about what this new information means, and what it could mean for our future. So to start this study out of Penn State, I found it fascinating. We have talked about lanternflies, you and I, in the past. Uh, For people that aren't familiar or just saw a headline, can you give us a quick primer what this study looked at and what it showed? So basically what the researchers had done at Penn State was they were interested in seeing what long-term effects the herbivory or feeding of lanternflies had on Um, local hardwoods, as well as the invasive tree of heaven, which is also one of their favorite hosts. And and it appears that the impact of feeding over several years was not as detrimental as they thought. And they also discovered some interesting things where overall health of the tree prior to this feeding had an impact on the effect of these insects on the, the life history of the tree. Some of the things they measured were various biochemical parameters associated with health of a tree. They looked at uh, growth patterns. They looked at some of the other things associated with reduced photosynthesis or reduced photosynthates. That is the products of photosynthesis. So it turned out that there's a lot of variation in how individual trees interact with a bunch of insects feeding on them. And it not surprising to me, having watched these guys in the field since day one, it turns out that they might have less of an impact on native trees than we thought. But there are some examples of of some crops and, and some trees that have suffered negatively because of their presence in large numbers, for sure. You say this doesn't surprise you. There was so much made of this to the point where you can still see billboards on buses and stuff like that, you know, squashed a lantern fly. Like it seems like this was presented as a five alarm fire where the concerns overshot from the start. You think was that just uh, the concern about an invasive species? Cause it just seems like what this study shows and where we are, it takes a lot to get the public to care about, bugs on a large scale like this and th- it it worked so like what something seems out of whack here so you know one thing's for sure is when we first started detecting these things they were in large numbers where they initially were found and they still occur in large numbers on the leading edge of where the invasion is back where we live now there's not so many they are not uh, as common but i think 
because we didn't know, I thought it was a good idea to err on the judge of, you know, to err on the side of caution in terms of um, our concern for that. Another thing that they got people uh, riled up was they're big and, and people don't like big insects. And, and that also helped stir the public sentiment against them. Now, there are some commodities where we have shown that large numbers, they, they can have negative effects, certainly on grapevines. Another thing, too, is that in Pennsylvania, we had a pretty aggressive management program where we have basically looked for that weedy tree of heaven, which grows everywhere, and have reduced its numbers significantly. And it turns out that that tree is important for their life history of these critters when they're um, you know, doing what they do all summer. So I, th I think, was it a good idea to, to maybe um, sensationalize it? I think probably yes, because the idea that we did know about it, we could prepare for it, it got people interested in it, and it, it helped us manage them ultimately. You know, who's to say, was it overblown or, or you know, what? think about what the alternative would have been. It wouldn't have surprised me if, you know, their numbers would have been higher in areas than they're not now. Initially, when, it, when any insect... Uh, invasive insect comes to a new area, the numbers tend to be pretty high once it gets established. And as the range of that insect spreads, imagine like a, a puddle where you drop a pebble into it, you see ripples moving away. The leading edge of these infestations tend to have the highest. And then as time goes by, the environment combined with our management techniques tend to reduce the numbers further back where the colony or the population used to be. So, you know, I don't think we predicted that their numbers would decline so rapidly. Like, for example, in the area where we first found them in, in Berks County, um, very difficult to find them. Where I live right now, south of Quakertown, you can still find them, but they're not like they were, you know, several years ago. Even in Philadelphia, the numbers are, have declined as well. But when you look at to where the leading edge is, their numbers are still high. So I guess in a nutshell, I think I would rather have experts overemphasize the issue rather than underemphasize the issue. And it's interesting. It sounds like when it comes to trees, that tree of heaven, which is an invasive species, was the one that was affected the most in uh, this research by the spotted lanternfly. Yeah, one thing that's kind of interesting. So where I live, there were pockets of these trees growing in, in areas. Some people even had them in their yards. So where I live, there's a lot of boulders. And, you know, those trees start to grow between the boulders. And I, I'd seen some pretty good groves of maybe 15 or 20 trees in a boulder field. And in a matter of three years, they were killed by spotted lanternflies. They really concentrated in the area on those. And they basically killed the tree of heaven. Now, in terms of us managing, um, you know, we, we've spent significant time, energy, and money seeking these plants and, and poisoning them, killing them, so as to, you know, reduce the, the ideal host plants for these spotted lanternflies. So it wouldn't surprise me that under large numbers, you know, even though these things are small, <clears throat> they're drinking a little bit of material out of the trees. If you have large numbers of them on a tree, it's going to make an impact. 
I'm not surprised that a lot of the tree at heavens have died from them leaf hoppers uh, concentrating directly onto them. They really find that tree and they, they get on in large numbers. And there is a negative impact on the, on a tree when you're losing. It's like death by a thousand tiny cuts. But it is interesting, you know, here we're talking about overall the impact of the spotted lanternfly wasn't that bad. But the one thing that it seems like from a tree standpoint, it it did affect in a negative way is something we wanted to try to get rid of anyway. Like, did, did we back into a really good situation here? Uh, that's one way of maybe putting it. I think there are definitely areas where the tree of heaven is still fine and still good numbers of them growing because it, it produces so many seeds and grows so very quickly. The ones that I manage, they grow 20 feet a year. I chop them down. They grow back every year. And they're the ones that I do my um, studies on with um, the lanternflies. I mean, I can say this. We definitely reduced the numbers of the tree of heaven in a lot of our na native areas, parts of Philadelphia for sure, vacant lots, along highways and train tracks. But, um, you know, they they also had a, a negative effect on the tree of heaven as well. Especially if we're reducing the tree of heaven, they, they really wanted to concentrate on them. So I think the first few years that when we reduced the tree of heaven, this is just a hypothesis, is that there were more lanternflies from the previous year, less tree of heaven. They concentrated on the tree of heaven. You saw some negative effects on those populations of trees. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Christopher Tipping right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation about spotted lanternflies with Dr. Christopher Tipping of Delaware Valley University. Is there concern, like this headline comes out now, and most people are not going to dig into this. They're going to see the headline, spotted lanternfly, not as bad for you know, local environment as thought. Is there concern that we take our foot off the gas of the squashing of them and people going out of their way to take them out? Because uh, I know I, walking around the city, I see I saw a lot of them like two years ago last year, and you would just try to step on them whenever you could. It was it became almost reflexive, to be honest with you. If we if we come back from that, is there concern that the lanternflies could really grow in numbers quickly and, and some of the worst case scenarios could be realized? Well, in places where they used to be a problem, maybe not so much. But in areas where they're at the leading edge of their infestation, like perhaps they're they they're spreading north into New York, headed towards the the grape producing regions there, the Finger Lake regions, that's a real concern. You want people to, you know, be aware of them, report them and, you know, manage them, whether it be with a boot or, you know, catching them in a plastic bottle, which I saw there was some competition for uh, a couple of years ago. I think awareness and concern is more of an issue where they are spreading at this point. And um, I haven't looked at the latest maps this month, but I believe they're far west as uh, Indiana now, spotty populations. In a world of global trade and in a world of climate change where we're really seeing effects, you know, in real time, uh, was this a dress rehearsal for the next uh, invasive species that uh, could, could come this way? Like, is it a matter of 
when, not if, that we will see, and I don't, I'm not trying to paint this like a horror movie, but we will be in another situation where an insect that shouldn't be here and there's concerns about what it could do, uh, we'll have to kind of take action as a community again? There is uh, inevitably going to be new insect pests coming here. So think back 20 years ago. Do you ever remember seeing um, those brown stink bugs in your house in the fall? They came. Think back maybe even further when gypsy moths came through this area. Remember all the, the damage that they cause on local forests and oak trees and things like that? Spotted lanternfly in this area, emerald ash borer. The list goes on and on. There are always constantly new insect pests being introduced into areas. And we spread them primarily through trade, through shipping, through, you know, plane accident. Is it is it ever going to end? I don't think so. Is it going to accelerate? That's a good question. I would like to think that, you know, as awareness is increased relating to these exotic pests, that there could be more of a, a proactive kind of stance relating to how we keep our eyes peeled for these insect pests. Prevention, always early discovery and quarantine is always the road you want to go down. We discovered these things too late. The, the genie was already out of the lamp and they uh, began to spread pretty quickly. And we, we truly didn't understand their biology as well as we do now. And, you know, stay tuned. There's going to be probably um, in, in my lifetime, I would say easily maybe two or three more pest insects that are going to be in the news here. It's just the nature of, of how we move things around the planet. And were we in a special situation with this lanternfly when it comes to the public information and getting the public to do their part because they were so unique looking? Like, it is not hard to see, oh, that's a spotted lanternfly. You don't you don't need to be well-versed. Once you see a picture, they are a unique with the red and the, the dots and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I... This did this present a special circumstance almost where it was just so easy to pick out that it made it easy to get across to the public that this is what you're looking for and get rid of it if you see it? Definitely. Um, if you could see something and, and most people could see it very quickly, uh, it's not surprising that they responded to the, you know, the PR campaign and and the, the information that we 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 quickly put together and assembled and Pennsylvania did a, I think pretty good job Penn State as well as the USDA at um, getting information out as soon as possible other states have kind of followed the lead there's lots of insect pests that are tiny they don't really uh, get on people's radar I think this was an example of one they were everywhere and they do cause kind of a nuisance issue but they were also quite large and easy to find insect pests that are tiny that don't really bother you or get in your house. They don't make the news so much, unless, of course, they're threatening some important commodity. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.